and welcome to another episode of Grow Like a Pro on 610 WTVN with your hosts, Adam Bankhurst and Ron Greenbaum. And you know, Grow Like a Pro is a show all about learning how to achieve your goals and dreams as a business owner, but it's also about growing as a person and helping you finding the tools and tips to success from people from all walks of life. And on this, this week's episode, we are so happy to welcome Barney Greenbaum, the International Sales Director for Hard Bean Cafe. And Ron, I don't know, something about his last name sounds familiar. What do you think? Yeah, slightly familiar there. He's <laughs> a big brother. Hey, what a, what a pleasure. Welcome to the show, Brother Barney. But I'm still the pretty face. Well, of course, of course. And I'm the one with hair. <laughs> oh, there we go. I love it already. How's it going, Barney? Oh, it's going great. It's going great. That's that's fantastic. Yeah, we I know we've talked about having you on the show for a while, so we're glad to finally make it happen. And we, you know, before we start, are there any dirty secrets you can tell us about Ron? That's the real. That's what all the listeners want to know. You know, I, when my this is a seek. This is not a secret, but this is a, a true story. When Ron was really little, and I mean really little, maybe three years old, uh, four years old, in that age group. We lived with our grandma, okay, and in a small place. And um, one day, and she she was from the old country, and uh, she she got a Jewish newspaper that came uh, to to the house called the Forward. It's very popular, and she could read, you know, the Yiddish uh, part of it, trying to teach me at one point. And uh, all of a sudden, she she kind of let out a gasp. And she looked at this picture that was in the newspaper and she, and she looked at it and then she looked at my brother that was sitting over on the side and she said, my little Einstein. It was a picture of the Albert Einstein when he was a baby. Yeah. He looked at Ron and she felt that Ron was the Einstein. And so he was always a genius in my mind. <laughs> I know. It, and, and he is, right? as far as I'm concerned, genius marketing person and has done extremely well with business. And if you want to get information on Grow Like a Pro, that's, that's one of the people that you really need to talk to. But uh, I used to lead him around by his nose and beat him up when he was little. That's right. I had <laughs> bruises on both arms until I was about seven years old. And then I got bigger than uh, my 11-year-old brother. So that stopped. Right exactly. He's so he toughened you up. I like it. Well, Ron, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm very happy to hear that you're not just a pretty face, even though you've been lying to me this whole time. That's it. <laughs> well, that's a great story. I, I think that's uh, it says a lot about Ron, and it's 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 cool that the they saw it right at a young age. But you know, as much as we love Ron, this show is a bit more about Barney. So I do want to kind of begin by saying what 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 do you do, Barney? What's what's kind of the story behind Barney Greenbaum? Well, what, this is my third career, third major career. Okay. And uh, I started out in the food business. I was uh, basically a kid, 23 years old, I think, or 22 years old, when I opened up my first place. And I did it with a partner. I had $2,500 to my name. And uh, built up a nice little business at that time. And I can go backwards to that. Yeah, yeah we'll touch on it later. But now, then, then after um, about 27, 28 years of doing that, restaurants i said i i needed it there was a change i needed some change in my life i have four kids and um just needed to make some changes because uh my wife 
has an illness, it's a progressive illness. And, and I felt I needed to spend some time, more time with her and at home and helping her uh, as, as things went along. And she's a, she's a poster child for this illness, for the MS, which it is. And uh, with that being the case, I sold the business, okay? I basically, I panicked when I found out that she had an MS. It really made me nervous. And I said, what am I gonna do? And I sold it. I, and it was in the, at the Ohio State, main business was at Ohio State University Student Union Buildings. And uh, I had both student unions. One place had 1,100 seats. And then after that, I kind of futzed around, I guess, and worked out of the house and uh, came up with a chocolate idea. And I worked with a chocolate company marketing a chocolate piece chocolate covered bagel chips called Mashos. And it just, it wasn't exactly what I wanted to do. I never really did that kind of thing before and uh, ended up uh, becoming a franchise consultant because I went to a company that said they were franchise specialists. I ended up talking to the guy who started the company and he said, you know, we don't even really have anybody in Columbus that's doing a good job. Why don't you do it? And I said, what? And he said, yeah, you've got the right personality for this and you can do this. And I did that for another 21 years. I became a consultant where basically I had seminars and webinars and help people make some decisions on what fit. So that, that was part of my life. And then, and, and I did actually extremely well with that, probably as well as I did in the restaurant world with no employees. And that was, that to me was a big thing because I did not want to have to be responsible for a lot of other people. You know, I had enough trouble getting responsible for my family, for my wife. And, uh, and then I sold that business to somebody twice, actually sold it twice, uh, had to take it back once and uh, started working with a couple of companies on the other side, the companies that I represented in the franchise world, I started helping them uh, with with their people that are making applications. And uh, it's a real interesting um, change of events. And uh, I ended up uh, somehow getting contacted by this coffee company saying, we need somebody. And uh, I knew one of the people that was a principal at the time and uh, I jumped on board and I really liked it because it's back in the food business, talking to people about opening up food places. And we had, and the nice thing about this one, it's not a franchise, so there's no royalties for people. So a uh, company makes their money upfront on what they do, the training and the knowledge that they, and the equipment and the layout and the design and uh, everything that's involved with helping people open up a coffee shop. And, uh, you know, as, as, as we were talking about earlier, it's a $28 billion industry, the coffee world. And, uh, I mean, you can find good coffee in a gas station. You know where to look. Yeah. So it's even it's even more than just the coffee, more than the product. It's how you communicate what you're doing, how you fit in. And we're really a neighborhood type of place, which I really like because you get to talk to people. The owners are usually the owners are there most of the time, or at least part of the time, and they fit into their neighborhood. Uh, you know, the book clubs, the church groups, the running clubs, the bike clubs all those people, all the office buildings around, because, you know, every other building, every other place sells coffee. So with that being the case, it's, uh, you know, why, why would they come to, to Hardbean? That's the name of the company, Hardbean Cafe. 
coffee house. And by the way, we let the people name it whatever they want. We just say powered by heartbeat on the menu and they can sell whatever they want. That flexibility is just tremendous in a lot of people's eyes. And I, I had a lot of diverse places in the student unions. I had a sub shop, a pizza shop, a place called the Juice Factory. I had vegetarian restaurants. I had a full sit-down restaurant in my life, state park concession, um, at, at Ohio University uh, shop, a student union that we did from scratch, uh, trailers at the state fair, uh, you know, just a lot of different things. So when people start talking to me about some of their ideas of what they want to do with a coffee shop, I say, well, then we can do that in our coffee shop. You just have to decide, what do you want to do all day long? That's the number one question. And then the second one is, where are you going to locate this? And the third one, how am I going to pay for it? Where am I going to get the money to do this? Because it costs money. I mean, it's an affordable luxury, coffee itself, but it's not easy just to make a decision. Well, I want a coffee shop. It's more exciting than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. And it's definitely something different every day. And you're really helping people. And yeah, you're helping them build their dreams, it sounds like. Exactly. And when you when you have that kind of a I think that runs in our family. Uh, okay, is helping people like that. Yeah. I mean, that's what I admire about Ron is the fact that he's helped a lot of people with, with his business. And he also is very charitable with it. Uh, and that, that really counts. Yeah. Uh, I think one thing for me, though, that I really like is the fact that I'm basically on my own. I don't have to answer to anybody, really. I mean, the other, you know, I work with the other people. So I, so we work out a way that we can answer to each other. And uh, I don't draw a salary or anything. So I have to make sure that some few of these open up so I can get paid. Yeah. Uh, but I don't, we don't let them settle. I don't want them to settle for something. I want them to get something that, that fits. Yeah. Um, you know, so, and the, oh, by the way, we use a roaster in, in near Philadelphia. This coffee is excellent. It, it's a given that you better have a great product. You know, you're not going to go in and open up a shop and have something that's uh, mediocre. Yeah, it's got to be special. It has to be special. It's a specialty coffee. And yeah. uh, especially when you're selling it for the kind of money that people sell specialty coffee for. I used to sell coffee for 35 cents a cup in the studio. <laughs> Man. Okay. Times have changed. They've changed a lot. But we, we'd sell a lot of coffee. Okay. Yeah. And But 70% of what you should sell in these shops need to be coffee related or tea. Herbal teas are very good. We, we, we even have them make their own tea bags. We have, we send the loose tea in and there's tea, loose tea bags. And it, it's fun, that part. The people like that. And smoothies. And uh, Ron will tell you. Yeah, you got to have like a little bit of everything, it seems like. Yeah, like yeah. you said, it's got to be a little bit more of a, a destination that people like to go to and see the hard work put in. And you know, I, I'm very curious about kind of some of the processes and how it works. But unfortunately, we do have to take a quick break. So I will let you get back to your story, but not before we listen to a word from our sponsors. So stay tuned to Grow Like a Pro on 610 WTVN. Hello and welcome back to Grow Like a Pro on 610 WTVN with your hosts Adam Bankhurst and Ron Greenbaum and our special guest, the International Sales Director for Hard Bean Cafe, Barney Greenbaum. 
And I do want to remind people, if you missed our first segment, or if you're new to the show, I want to remind you that Grow Like a Pro goes live on 610 WTVN every Saturday at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, as well as podcast services around the globe. So make sure to tune in or listen back to some of our other incredible guests. And it's, uh, it's been a really fun time to try to to learn the stories of success from people from all walks of life, because even though they may be walking a different path, a lot of the steps that they take are a lot more similar than you think. Um, and, you know, Barney in particular, he's had a pretty fascinating career. And, you know, a lot of it is kind of based in the foods and sometimes franchising and things like that. But in this next segment, I do like to jump back a little bit. And I kind of want to say like, Barney, was, was the food industry always you know, what you thought you wanted to be in or what kind of led you to start your journey in, you know, food and restaurants and all that kind of stuff? Uh, it's, a, it's a great question. Um, well, you know, I was uh, a child of the 60s. Okay. My longer hair, pretty wild child, I guess, because I was on my own. Um, you know, at the time I was 18, I went out and lived in an apartment and, um, with, uh, you know, with a little help, but not a lot. And uh, I don't know, I, I started school at Ohio State. It really wasn't for me. I wasn't ready for college. And uh, I had a great uncle in Texas. His name was Lou, Uncle Lou, and uh, Ron and I's uncle. And he was in the restaurant business. So he said, come on down here and work a little bit. And maybe you can go to school down here. He wanted to be like a mentor and um, we didn't have any parents and uh, Ron and I, so it was, it was an ideal situation for me. So I went down there and. Um, what kind I of restaurant a, was it? it? It was, it was a, it was called the health camp. It, it was. But it really wasn't all that healthy <laughs> no. because it was a hamburger joint but with, with back, ice you know, before organic foods for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But they were, it was a great place. It was a neighborhood place. It fed the Baylor students and every cowboy that lived in around Waco would come there. And I got yeah. to meet and the people working in the restaurant were really nice to me, wearing cowboy boots and, uh, you know, we're waiting on tables. I'm not waiting on them, but cleaning the tables, uh, having a kerchief around their neck, a couple of them. I'll never forget that. And uh, so anyway, I got a chance to go to this, um, culinary school down in Corpus Christi, Texas, and um, went started school down there in, in Corpus Christi. Corpus Christi is right on the on the ocean, you know the the Gulf. There. It is gorgeous at the time. Summer was really hot, and uh, with my really dark, I had really black hair then, a big mustache, a beard, long hair, and. That's where I was going to school. I was from Cleveland, Ohio, and everybody else was Tex-Mex. It was really, <laughs> I, I'm not sure if that's proper to say, but that's what it was. They were really nice people. Actually, my roommate was uh, from, uh, born in, uh, in Texas, but uh, it, that was his heritage. And that's, uh, I liked that school a lot. And from that, I came back to Columbus because that was really my home, I guess. I went to get my stuff and uh, started working at a health food store. Uh, it was a, that was a long time ago. And uh, 
just helping out some people I knew there. And a guy came in and he said he was from New York and he wanted to open up a restaurant. And, and I chimed in, well, I want to open up a restaurant too. Except I don't have any, I didn't have any money. Well, he, he had some money, not a lot. And we went, he said, well, why don't we talk about it? I, I mapped out a whole uh, menu for him within a couple of days. And he liked it so well. I didn't do a business plan, just the menu. What was he on liked, the menu? Oh, we had brown rice and vegetables. We had tofu. We had um, super salads. That People used to think those super salads, the women used to come in, think that it helped them get pregnant. <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> With the sesame seeds. Yeah, fried rice and veg. There were there were a lot of great stuff on so, there. So you know, obviously today, like health is everywhere. That's like all that it's about. But was it you know a bit ahead of its time? Do you think back then, or was there still? A oh, kind of yeah. I mean, in Columbus, Ohio, definitely ahead of its time because I mean we had no smoking even. Okay, it was a four a small forty seat restaurant. First day, first couple of days we were open. Somebody came in with a big cigar. <laughs> I said, "You can't smoke that in here. It'll stink up the place." Oh my gosh. And and he and so, so he got mad, but he took it outside. And after that, I put a sign up: no smoking. And, and what was the restaurant uh, called? It was called Sela. Great. It means service. And where was and it located for those who are listening from Columbus? It was right on the corner of Northwood and High. Nice. Okay, right near the campus. And within, I would say, six weeks, we had people lined up out of the door for breakfast and for lunch and dinner, constantly lines of people trying to get in. Uh, it was only a 40 seat place and they stood there. Uh, you know, it was, it was amazing to me. And I had a partner who had the money to put it up and uh, he was amazed. And uh, the menu was too big. It was a lot of, didn't follow anything that made any sense at the beginning. We used to write, write the menus on paper bags. If uh, Rod, am I right? Remember? Yeah, I actually worked there off and on for a number of years. Oh, yeah, no. that's right. I think you were the dishwasher. No. <laughs> but yeah, I was. Uh, I did everything. I, I actually ended up being a short order cook there. Yeah, he was great. Waited on people. and I, I, wasn't, I did everything there. I'm but thankful for that because Ron's interesting a pretty good cook. Thing, the interesting thing is that uh, my w current wife, Terry, she, she was in um, junior high and used to take the bus down to uh, the restaurant probably i waited on her or cleaned her table when she was a kid that's great and she always reminds people of that because she loved <laughs> she knew the menu better than anybody and, and loved it so it was an iconic place with uh incredible food and the, the people that worked there were very passionate about vegetarian food and the food was delicious that's why people finally yeah. talked about earlier you got to deliver the goods that place had amazingly good food. And Barney, Amazing. were you were you were you cooking? What was your kind of main role with? with I I orchestrated everything for the most part, but I also helped with a lot of the recipes. And early on, we expanded because our kitchen was so small. I went to the landlord who owned the whole block. I said, "We've got to do something here. Uh, we we don't have enough room." And he saw that. So we were able, so we built something on the side of the, on the back of the building. We built an extra prep area. It wasn't big, and then I rented the house behind me to for storage. And then the upstairs was an apartment. I ended up moving into the apartment, and half of my apartment was bags of flour upstairs. 
or, or whatever we were doing. But we used to buy, everything was bulk, bulk rice, bulk uh, flour. We made our own bread. We, we, we didn't get our, some of the bread, banana bread, date bread. Uh, we made those all the, every day. Um, Soups, made soup every day. Yeah, soup every day. Stop, it, soup stock. I mean, everything. I And big vats of it, rice, a lot of rice. Yeah. Big, big vats of everything. And that's what I did. I did a lot of that. Brown rice is was, was our staple and with wheat berries in it. Right. Okay. And we made homemade applesauce. We actually had a pie that we entered at the Ohio State Fair, and we won the Ohio nice. State Fair pie cooking contest. <laughs> this was in the, in the middle seventies, and uh, because in the summer we bought a trailer and we were selling smoothies at the state fair, and not very many places had smoothies either. Uh, you know, so that was a strawberry smoothies, tropical delights, uh, you know, banana smoothies. Uh, any of those kinds with high protein powder in them. Um, we we had we had, we did we did a cookbook. One of the cooks, uh, I published it, and they they helped write the recipes down. And we did two of them. And first time we sold it, the first issue was thirty thousand issues that we That's sold. Great. My cousin said that was like the bestseller list of the New York Times. <laughs> we, were, we were basically selling them for like. Two ninety five or something, dollar ninety five, two ninety five. Great, giving them away, you know, um, at the price. But it was a lot of fun that part of it. And and Ron's right, it was the people. We had incredible people there, and and we used to get every rock group in the that came to the city. That's where they bring us yeah. these people. We yeah. had the Yes group. We had. Uh, well, we did all the catering for. Yeah, we did all the catering for them down at uh, uh, Vets Memorial at the time. Uh, we had, Jones, yeah, yeah, uh, McLaugh- John McLaughlin, uh, Robbie Shankar. <laughs> sounds like you, know. you need. It sounds like you need to write a book here, Barney. <laughs> Some yeah, pretty cool stuff did. there. <laughs> and you know, you know, I I wish we could keep this going, but I do have to cut a short real quick so we could take a quick break. But I do want to get back to the story, so make sure to stay tuned. To Grow like a pro on six ten WTVN, and we'll be back with more from Barney Greenbaum. Hello and welcome back to Grow Like a Pro on 610 WTVN with your hosts, Adam Bankhurst and Ron Greenbaum and our special guest, Barney Greenbaum, the International Sales Director for Hard Bean Cafe. And Barney, we were talking so much about Seva, the great stories, and I wish we could have a whole podcast focused on these stories, but you have a lot more to your journey and I'd kind of like to jump into that. So, you know, Seva, how long was it in business? What, about 20 years? Uh, Well, there's still one going up in Ann Arbor. I don't own it. But oh, gotcha. I, I think one's in our, in our, I think it's in the Detroit now. Gotcha. There's one in Ann Arbor and one in Detroit. Yeah. Yeah. Over 40 years. That's okay. amazing. I mean, and you, you know, you mentioned early in the last segment that it was kind of like, you know, a dream place. You had so much fun, great people and stuff like that, but you know, you're obviously not still there. So what, what kind of changed and what was kind of the next steps of well, your journey? I got approached by the Ohio state uh, and, and opened up in the student union building and opened a place called the Juice Factory. We took over a place that was failing called Tahiki Hut. That, and they didn't want anything failing. It was right in the center of the student union. And I got in, and that's 1,100 seats and probably one of the most desirable places in the whole city to have a, a, a quick service restaurant 
with all those 3,500, 4,000 oh, people yeah. a day coming through. For sure. So I got this place. If I tell you how much I paid you, 2,500 bucks. Oh and, my I, gosh. and I redid it. Called it the Juice Factory and um, did extremely well and with it. And uh, had a really nice lady running it, Sally Fox. And um, so we moved into, the, they asked me to move into the cafeteria line. They had opened up a Pizza Hut or Shakey's Pizza and a Uncle Andy's Deli and a few other things. And they weren't doing well. So they asked me to, if I would move into that uh, uh, cafeteria where they'd opened those up. And basically, I started expanding and taking over their other, those other businesses. And uh, I, instead of the um, uh, Shakey's Pizza or, or Pizza Hut, it became Scarlata and Gray Pizza and became Scarlata and Gray Subs and uh, the Juice Factory. And it took over the whole food court there. And one of the first food courts in the country like that. Um, and that was, again, it was something I, you know, I enjoyed doing was uh, coming up with new menu ideas and, and innovations. One of the uh, things that really helped the pizza shop, I'll never forget what we did was we started selling pizza by the slice to the students because they didn't want to buy a whole pizza like Pizza Hut wanted them to do. And, uh, and even little minis didn't go, but we started selling slice. So we called it a big fat slice at a real low price. And then we started selling quarter pounds, quarter pies, two slices and a drink for like three bucks. And if you add that together, that's $12 for a pizza and four drinks. So we were doing very well selling pizza in, in that place. And it was a homemade, everything was homemade, homemade crust. And you asked me, how did I learn how to do it? I, uh, the, the recipes. I basically, wherever I saw a great recipe, I, I try to figure out how to jump in and get it. He well, stole it. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Gino, go. I think Gino came up with a couple of, Gino, not of uh, whole wheat pizza recipes. And, yeah, we uh, eat. But yeah. before, before the, the juice factory, there was a, you expanded to the little kitchen, which was across the street next to the Newport which is not, you know, or right a couple doors down from where the Newport is. Right, right but, between Long's bookstore and, and, um, and the SBX bookstore, where it was. And it was, a, it was called Rudon's. It was there from 1930s on. And then the person was retiring. So we, had a, we needed more room for Seva. So we opened up over there. And we, we actually had the, all the booths were built, hand built out of oak beautiful old, and we had a table in the front window that people could sit on the floor and eat in front of everybody. A big, that was the picture window. And it was a lot, that was, a, again, another place that- and it had an open uh, kitchen, which, yeah. uh, you know, where I cooked omelet on Sunday morning, I probably made 200 omelets. It was unbelievable yeah. how many yeah, people, the that's all they did was come in there during the week, even almost, but on Sundays, there were you talk about a line. They were lined up for hours waiting for to come into that place. It wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, I think it was about the same size as the other place, probably 40, 50 seats, something like that. Yeah, it was a long and narrow, but it had a big kitchen in the back with a big right. yeah. cooler. So we that's where we made all our bread and we made our sauces 
and soups in the back there. And then we would transport. I had a little Toyota Corolla and I would transport the soups and things up and some of the dinners up to the other restaurant because we didn't have room to store everything. And uh, Ron was right. That was, uh, but things happen in life. Uh, that restaurant actually burnt down. Oh, no. Yeah. And uh, somebody didn't do something right and uh, get caught on fire. I get a phone call in the middle of the night. Your place is on fire. Yikes. What? I ran down there and it was ready too late. And then the landlord didn't want to rebuild. They didn't, they wanted the uh, bookstore to take it over. They didn't well, want part to... of the bookstore built or burnt too. Yes. Thing. Yes. So we had that happen. And then, um, I don't know, started expanding uh, some thoughts and, uh, you know, what else to do. And um, I like the pizza a lot. I like fooling around with pizza and um, came up with this idea of make your own pizza. And I, and it, I really followed it out. Probably needed some tweaking, which I didn't do enough of. But the place was really neat and it had a salad bar concept where you can come in, you got your pizza dough and you put whatever you want on the pizza and we, you make it, we bake it. Those are huge now too. Yeah. Yeah. But instead they're doing it right because they had the people putting the stuff on top so that it baked right. We had people overload and they didn't bake right. And we had making it themselves. (laughs) plus Plus you opened in a bad location. So. Yeah, and partners. Sometimes partners <laughs> are great. And sometimes partnerships are like sinking ships. Yeah. <laughs> and this but you kept that. getting partners. You just you you want you like being miserable because you've got partner <laughs> after partner after partner. Yeah, and this uh, this guy, uh, the one guy, just wasn't a good. You know, it's a bad partnership, really bad one. And look, I had a couple of good partnerships. You know, so like, it just depends on what's involved. You had good, some good partnerships. Uh, I only had one partnership, and it was, uh, you know, and it was a 26-year partnership. It was a great partnership. So, but, uh, you know, we each kind of stayed away from each other, and that's what made it a good partnership. So, uh, yeah, well, but, these, they, these were smaller businesses than what you're, than what you're running. So, you know, it wasn't enough area where both of us, you know, you have sometimes you have people putting too much salt in the soup and they tell you, uh, hey, you know, how much salt should I, you know, what are you doing? We need to put more salt in or we need this or that, you know, and you have the experience and they don't. And that was the case in, in, the, in the food business for me. You have such great experience, which I think why this, uh, this hard bean thing is probably going well, just because it seems like you've seen it all, seen so many different kinds of things and everything. It's a, it seems yeah, like it, a nice natural evolution into it yeah i mean you, you gotta have some a couple of things that i tell people that they should have in the uh coffee shops that i think these are real this is a very important called a signature item yeah something that's a little more unique or a family recipe and uh you know that signature item it makes a difference people will say oh that's the place that sells those oh yeah you know, they sell those pecan rolls that your toast and we don't do any cooking really in most of them. They have a panini grill or a uh, uh, one of those uh, Robo chefs like Panera uses uh, in there. But for the most part, it, there's no cooking. 
So people like that. There's no Ansel systems and big walk-in coolers or anything because it's all made from scratch. Yeah. Uh, type of situation. You can and tell when that, it's fresh. It's a nice little change. Yeah, it really, it's really a lot of fun. So that's been my love of my life as far as business goes. Uh, you know, well, I'll tell you, it's like, it's a great journey. And it's, uh, once again, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 a- it's really, I mean, this, I mean, we, we haven't even gotten really into the franchising or any of the other stuff. So we're definitely gonna have to have you back on another show because man, these 40 minutes fly by, but you know, we do have to take one quick break before our last segment. So make sure to stay tuned uh, to grow like a pro on 610 WTVN and we will be right sure. back. Hello and welcome back to Grow Like a Pro on 610 WTVN with your hosts Adam Bankhurst and Ron Greenbaum and our special guest Barney Greenbaum, the International Sales Director for Hard Bean Cafe. And my friends, we are at my least favorite segment yet again, where we must soon say goodbye to Barney. But we have a little bit more time to talk a bit more about his story. So Barney, what does the future hold for you and Hard Bean? And, you know, hopefully this pandemic is, is coming to an end in the near future, as I would love to see as many others. So, but like, what is, what is it kind of, what are you looking forward to when things get back to normal and people can really start going back to coffee shops and stuff? Well, I, one of the things that's surprised a lot of people, the coffee business, what we've been doing, most of the people that are open that we, that I've dealt with, that I've helped, I think somewhere around 16 stores that are still healthy, doing well, uh, out of 18 that I've been involved with. And I, most of them are showing gains this past year. It surprised a lot of people. Yeah. Not doing sales, but we're doing good. I mean, you know, multiple sales like we did and we should be, I don't, but most of the people are showing 10, 15, 20% gains to their shops because people are picking up and going. That's the kind of items that they are. Yeah. People still need coffee, even if they're not going all over the place, you know, and it surprised me, you know, but, that's what's been happening. And uh, so we decided we're going to start, uh, we've been working on a, a truck, um, a mobile truck, to take it to places. And we're also working on um, a modular type of uh, building that can be put down somebody. We have a lot of people call us with land and they want to build something. So we have a company up in Omaha we did that with called Reality Coffee. And it's doing very well. It's a double drive-through um, with windows all over it. The reason it has all these windows is that the person uh, that bought it had a glass company, his family. Oh, hey. Perfect yeah, so, melding of two things. <laughs> yeah, so you, you, the whole outside, so you can wave at people and they wave at you. I got some great marketing ideas of how to, you know, instead of just looking at a brick as you're walking, driving through the drive-through, you want, you know, this this allows you to, have some interaction with the people making the drinks, uh, the glass and everything. You can see everybody inside. You know, you know those Burma Shave Road signs? I don't think you remember, Adam. Adam. Um, they sure. Burma Shave Road signs along the road, you know, 10 minutes to this, 15 minutes to that. I'm, I've got a deal where they're going to take little hand signs and hold them up, smile. You're another two minutes to your drinks ready. Oh, you, know, nice. keep, you know, put your change in the tip drawer. You know those kind of things for people to hang, show you know, kind of whatever. But but that's right now. I'm you know, I'm not a kid. I'm but I'm enjoying this. I'm healthy enough to do this. It's all over the phone, and you know, compared to a franchise, there's no royalties, no large upfront 
franchise fee. And I'll tell you, a lot of people think they can sell franchises, but it's not easy. It is a tough road uh, to get things going. But once you do, it's fine. But sometimes it takes two, three years to really get off the ground with, with, with the franchise. And uh, there's a lot of money that's involved. So some of the ones that we started representing just didn't have the, the that's why I left the franchise world. And I, I like this, this type of business that there's no franchises. Yeah, no, yeah. It seems, it seems like a really cool con. Like I said, I love but, the idea that you're kind of working alongside people to help build their dreams and make it happen. And it seems like there's a lot of creativity and fun stuff for both sides of the party, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm the first person that they contact usually. Yeah. Okay, from all from all over, right? And I I kind of can judge whether or not the person's really fit for this. If there's you know financially, um, you know why they want to do it, yeah. and when they want to do it by. Those are the three things that I look at. And once I get that, and I help them understand that. Yeah. And once they understand it, you know that's how we're moving along. We've got quite a few people just about ready to start opening. That's fantastic. And let's say there's someone who's listening or, you know, maybe has an idea like, you know what, I would love to open up a coffee shop or maybe would like to speak to you about your history in the, in the restaurant biz, the food industry, franchising. What is the best way people can reach you, you know, for coffee as well as maybe just to pick your brain about this, this awesome journey you've been on in your life. Sure. Hardbean.barney at gmail.com. That's it. That's simple. That's how people reach me. And uh, if they go to uh, www.ownacoffeebusiness.com, it's all one word. That's they can, a good name. <laughs> they can take a look at uh, the website. We're getting, we have a company. I'll give you guys a plug. There's a company that's helping us develop a new website. And so far, it's looking great. We're really excited. Um, and we think that's going to help uh, even tell our story a little better. Oh, it really yeah, for talks sure. talks about the path of ownership. And very professionally done. And uh, so everybody's happy. We're actually starting the second part. We're doing another website now uh, for the owners that uh, we talked to them about yesterday. So, because the guy who started it, he saw the first one and said, wow, this is great. I like what they're doing. So we talked to him yesterday and we're getting another one. That's so, fantastic. you know, that's how business goes. You, you know, it's... Uh, referral and uh, who you know and that those are type big parts of it that's yeah. i've been lucky with some of that for sure well Barney, yeah thanks. well thanks yeah thanks for the referral that's from my marketing company green bomb Styrus. hey look right. at that yeah well that's fantastic yeah, yeah, well, happy. yeah we might have to get you back on when that new website's live so you can tell us all about it that's <laughs> good stuff <laughs> Well, that's great. Well, Barney, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Grow Like a Pro. I, I really learned a lot and I, it was very interesting. And like I said, I'm, I'm just kind of sad we only had 40 minutes because I feel like we didn't even get to half of your story. So, uh, Well, but, as soon as, as, soon as uh, uh, things change a little bit, you bring the, your, uh, my nephew, you're, you're, you're the nephew. So you bring your uh, <laughs> great nephew and your wife over. We'll have dinner. We can have all kinds of stories. I like, I the, I like your stories too. I can't wait. That's going to be fantastic but yeah barney yeah. thank you so much ron thank you so much once again for bringing your pretty face to the show it's always appreciated always <laughs> and listeners thank you i want to remind you that grow like a pro goes live on 610 wtvn every saturday at 5 p.m eastern standard time you could also catch our 
podcast at the same time on your favorite podcast services around the world. And if you want to be a part of the show, be sure to send an email to hello at growlikeaproshow.com. Once again, that is hello at growlikeaproshow.com to ask questions to our guests or to maybe like give you a chance to tell your story and help our listeners grow like a pro. But until next time, when we have another incredible guest, we hope you have a great day and or night, and we will see you next week. Bye, everybody.